together. We pray, asking the Lord's continued inspiration. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit. Illuminate these scriptures for us, Lord. Convict and console our hearts. Reveal to us the face of the Father. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Everyone is looking for you. These are the words of Simon Peter when he comes to Christ as he has snuck away early in the morning to spend time with the Father. Everyone is looking for you. No, Jesus, right, is, is God, but also human in the flesh. And I imagine being tired because the, the whole night before, he'd come into the, the home, Simon Peter, and healed his mother-in-law. And then folks find out, and this is the whole village showed up at the door. Everyone coming and bringing those who were sick and those who were possessed. And the Lord's just healing, casting out demons. And then the next morning, right, longing. Like I, even, even after all of this work and this, this beautiful uh, healing and in this communion that's going to happen when those things are happening, that he just longs to be with the Father. So he knows he has to get up early and he goes and get up to a deserted place to be with the Father. And so they pursue him. He says, everyone is looking for you. I don't know what the Lord felt, but I know sometimes that's what it feels like in my life. I'm sure the same thing is true for you. Everyone is looking for you. And as we maybe try to get away and we feel the weight and the pressures of so many things, I have school, I have friends, I have relationships, I have my family, I have work, all these things, and I just, I just feel like I can't catch up. Can't catch up. Look at my, my emails and I'm like, there are 3,000 unread emails. It's great. Did you get that email? Yes, I did. It's somewhere in there. All of us feeling this, right? And then, but where, what does Jesus say when they come to him? With a, with a good request, like, Lord, you've been healing and casting out demons, so, so more people desire this. What does Jesus say? Let's go to the other towns and villages. For this reason I have come. Imagine. You know, some of the folks gathered around were like, uh, so you, you're just going to leave? You're not going to stay? How can you go? And the question may be too, why did Jesus go when this would have been a good thing to do? Because his deep relationship with the Father, he had conviction about his purpose, right? He says, for this 
purpose I have come. To preach, to heal, and to continue to move, right? Proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the movement was always going to one place. It says later in the gospel, he set his face like flint for Jerusalem. That the purpose was to offer his life for us on the cross. To pass through death, through the resurrection, for the ultimate healing. Not just of one village and everyone in it, but of the entirety, right, of the world and all of human history. For this purpose he has come. And because he said yes to this mission, he said yes to the Father in this way, then, he, then that yes informed every other decision in his life. Every other decision. I have said yes to the Father. And so even as good things come, right, he's like, no, in this moment we need to move. We need to step because we're going to the Father. So for you, for me, as we've been at this conference, what is the invitation of the Lord to and for us? On a a general level, for all of us, it is this. For a deeper recognition and awareness of his pursuit of us. His pursuit of us. The catechism speaks of prayer, which is the mass is the the deepest prayer, right, that we have individually and corporately. And then our own individual prayer says that prayer is the encounter of God's thirst for us with our thirst for him. It's to come to a deeper longing that the Lord doesn't just, quote, unquote, love me. And that's not just some cute words that we say in catechism class when we're kids. But that this is the passion of the heart of God for us that makes itself tangible in his self-offering. And that our sin can never change that. His passionate pursuit of us. His thirst for us. And it's to pray to know that more deeply in my mind and my heart to receive that conviction. And that was the conviction that Christ had of the Father for him. Which led him after a long, long night to wake up early in the morning, right? He prioritized time with his Father because he knew he needed it and he loved him. And the Lord's inviting us. That as we receive the love from him, to prioritize our time with him. To prioritize it. Like Christ getting up early and not necessarily you have to get up before dawn. But where where in your life on a daily basis do you need to say, Lord, this time is for you. To spend intimate communion with you. Because this general call for all of us is to love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. And not just in this sentimental way, but to love him incarnationally and tangibly. And that's spending time with him, engaging in the sacraments, studying the truths of the faith, and then loving our brothers and sisters as the Lord has called. Right? Not just an idea. Father Josh was speaking about, like, who's not here? That's like loving our brothers and sisters. Who's not here? I'm not just thinking about how it would be good. But, Lord, who is that that I need to invite into communion with you? And then past this, 
This loving God and loving our neighbor, the two great commandments. And the Lord says, right, make disciples of all nations. Invite everyone, invite everyone into this communion and the salvation that only Christ can give. For all of us to do, to love him, to love our neighbor and to make disciples, to evangelize. But, but in that, right, St. Paul speaks about the church as the body of Christ and all of us are unique members. So your role is not mine. My role is not yours. There's a unique call on your life. The Lord wants you to love him, to love others, and to make disciples in a way that is different from me. Which doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want to do. It has to be within the realms of what is true and good and beautiful. But there's a particular place where he has called you, in a particular way he wants you to manifest the unique gifts that he has given. And when we're convicted about that, Lord, you love me, and you have called me to love you in this way, then I realize I don't have to do everything. Right, I'm... I'm the Lord has called me to be pastor of this church on this campus. And so the, the truth is, is that every soul on this campus, right, is, is under my pastoral care. But it's impossible for me to meet everyone and to speak to them about Jesus. And so as part of the body of Christ here, as part of the church here, you are on the front lines of this mission of evangelizing this campus and your homes and your workplaces. It is you. It is you who can go into your math class, into your physics classes and your education classes, who can go into the, the rec fields, who can go out into the restaurants and all the places of where you are and to be the light of Christ and to speak about him in a way that no one else can. And when we get conviction about that, Lord, you loving me, me loving you, like my like, yes, Lord, where in this conference has the Lord pierced my heart about this thing? There has to be something in one of the talks or in some conversation or in a time of prayer where there was, the Holy Spirit was pricking your heart of one of two things, like turning away from some sin and committing your life to him more and or stepping out in mission. And our hearts need to be convicted about those things, about the Lord loving us, us loving him, and then where's our unique mission? Because when we're convicted about that like Jesus, when there's a million good things that we can be overwhelmed with, then we say no. I easily, more easily, difficult, right? <laughs> Painful, we're all fallen human nature. Like sin is clear, it's a clear no, it's a clear no. And that's why part of Monsignor Shea's talk, I need to know the truth. I need to know the truth. My mind needs to be converted so that I know what is good so that I can choose it because I'm often confused. And then that becomes clear. And then the next thing is, Lord, where are you calling me on mission? And then even the good things that present themselves to me that are not in communion with where you are calling me to go, I can eat more easily say no to them because I have said yes to you in this way and in this place. You know, this weekend, uh, Brother Colby, Father Xavier, Father Marvin, Father Eddie, they were all convincing me, trying to convince me, man, you should be a Capuchin, you should be a Franciscan, you should be a Jesuit, like, come on. They like fools in their religious communities, you know. 
And I said, no. The Lord has called me to be a lowly diocesan priest. (laughs) And this is where I will stay. I can say no to those good invitations. They they really didn't ask me. (laughs) Because of that, I have said yes to the unique call the Lord has placed on my life. Everyone is looking for you. So many people are asking things from you. But the one who matters the most is the Lord. Say yes to his invitation to love. Say yes to his invitation to love him, to love others, to make disciples, and in a unique way, how he wants you to do it. And when there's deeper conviction about that, then there's greater freedom in saying no, even to the good, because we have said yes to the Father.